The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, good morning, ACF Church. How you guys doing? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. I love that video. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I wonder if there are any vegans in the room that are kind of offended by the, no animals were harmed in the filming of this. Just kidding. It's like you could see the shot. So anyway, we love the vegans. They leave meat for the rest of us, right? So we will keep the meat. Um, anyway, we're glad that you're here, uh, here on week two of Fanatic. And this is a new thing for me. Um, we, this is the third time I'm preaching this message because we launched our Wednesday night sermon, our Wednesday night series, just a sermon. It's all about me. It's a Wednesday night sermon. I'm just kidding. It's okay. So, uh, the Wednesday night church service here, um, at ACF Church. And we are so excited about that. We realize that in Eagle River, there's a need for a church service midweek that nobody is offering offering a, a full, uh, like a Sunday morning church service experience on a Wednesday night. A lot of people are gone on the weekends. Uh, some of you were out there shooting moose this weekend, so you were gone. Uh, it's just a, a busy time, and uh, it gives you a chance to go to church, and there's a lot of people that work, and so uh, they maybe can't go to church on the weekends as well. So it's a chance to be on mission. I'd invite you, if uh, if you want to free up some space in this service, which we'd love for you to do, uh, come to that Wednesday night service. Uh, it's kind of a different deal. You're sleeping in on Sunday morning, and your weekends free, and so we'd encourage you to do that as well. Um, But we are in a series called Fanatic. It's a study uh, through the book of James, which is a letter written by this guy, James, who is Jesus' little brother. And as we said last week, James would have had a front row seat to the life of Jesus. And uh, we talked about how James would have fit in really well at ACF Church because James probably had a lot of doubts, a lot of struggles. Um, and, and as he was interacting with Jesus, you can imagine when Jesus says that he is the Messiah, James had a few questions about his brother, right? It's like, I don't know if this is the truth. And, but James ends up having this conversion moment. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to James. You know, he has died. He has been buried in the ground. He is now alive. And he comes to James, shows himself to James, and they have this moment. And we believe that that's when James had a conversion experience or gave his life to Christ or whatever you want to call it. That was the moment that he said, I believe that you are who you said you are. And it all just made sense to James. And many of you have had that moment where all of the doubts and questions, you know, they kind of fade away to this moment of faith where it all kind of makes sense. And this is the life of James, and he's writing to the early church. This book was probably written about 45 years after the death of Jesus. It's one of the earliest, if not the earliest, book that we have in the New Testament, writing to this early gathering of Jewish believers who would have been persecuted and struggled with this transition in their faith from this other belief that was bound up probably in many laws and rituals to this belief in Christ and and, and the grace that we that we received through what he accomplished on the cross. And so uh, if you want to turn to James chapter 1 with me, we're going to start off in the passage here together. James chapter 1, verse 19. It'll be on the screen behind me. You can also follow along in your notes, or if you have an iPhone or an Android, download the 
um, YouVersion Bible app. I always have that with me because you can open up Scripture wherever you are and, uh, and read. And so James chapter 1, verse 19 is where we're going to begin. He says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this letter from James that was written thousands of years ago to us as well, God. And I pray that we would be a community that is marked not by just hearing the word, but those who actually do the word. Father, we come before you today uh, confessing that we have not loved our brothers as we should this week. We've not loved our families and our friends as we should. We haven't loved you as we should, and yet we come to you today asking for grace asking that, God, you would work in our hearts. And we pray, God, as we open your word, you would mold us and make us more like you. God, and so be here with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have a lot of ground to cover. So you guys need to buckle up. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, and then uh, we've got another thing to share at the very end of this message. And so there's a lot to do, and uh, each sermon— Each sermon has been a little shorter. I'm trying to cut back so that we're not here as long. Uh, You guys get kind of the filtered version. Again, that's another sell for Wednesday night. You can get the hashtag unfiltered version of my sermon uh, because, you know, each time it changes a little bit. But we're, this week I'm calling uh, this message, I Heard Ya. I Heard You. You guys say this a lot, maybe. I Heard You. And um, so my wife and I, we have an interesting relationship with this. And we have a problem with this with your phones. We have sort of a problem with our phones. Um, it's kind of, I call it my other wife. Uh, she thinks it's funny. And so uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's one of those things that we have, uh, it gets in the way of our relationship. We're always on our phones. And um, the other day, it was a Wednesday morning, and so I go in a little later on Wednesday. And so I sit on the couch, just vegging out, reading some emails on my phone. And, and Amanda, she walks in. And I was like, hi, Amanda. And I'm back, back to my phone. And then five minutes goes by, and I hear, did you hear me? And I was like, what? And I looked, come on guys, you've been here, right? Some of, you, some of you men can relate to this. I went, what? And I looked up and I realized she's been talking for five minutes. Like sharing her life, pouring out her soul to me about some pretty important things. And I'm like, what? what? And as a, as a husband, here's what I've learned at this point is if I can regurgitate enough of the details of what she's... I know, I'm a horrible husband. If I, can, if I can throw out enough details from what she has said, I can kind of convince her maybe that I was listening. Uh, to, and so she's like, she's like, are you listening? And I said, I heard you, but I wasn't listening, right? Come on, guys, you've been there. I've heard you, 
but I have no idea what you said. This is, this is cut bait or run. It's like, I gotta, I gotta confess. I have no idea what you just said in the past five minutes. Can you explain everything again to me? And uh, we had a moment, you know, a marital moment. It was, it was a nice moment where we worked through our frustration there where, you know, we have, we have this problem of not really listening to each other. And, you know, oftentimes when one of us wants to speak, the other is distracted by something else. And I find that this happens a lot in my life. It's not just my wife, but it's people, friends of mine, where they're talking to me and I am somewhere else. I have this tendency to space off, and especially when I have a lot on my mind. And I will listen, but I won't really truly hear their hearts. And so that's where we're going today. James is challenging this because he's talking to a gathering of people that would have heard the truth, maybe would have nodded their heads in church and said, oh yeah, I agree with that. That's truth. And then walked out the doors, the exact same people that they were when they walked in, having not been transformed by the word of God. And so he says this in verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers. And I want to stop there because James starts off by saying, know this, my beloved brothers. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that you are beloved. He, he reminds you of who you are before he tells you what to do. This is what James does. He's so good at this. He, he keeps drawing us back to our identities and who we are at our core. He wants you to know you are loved, you are cared for just as you are as a believer in Jesus. You're covered by grace. And so he's kind of saying, Beloved brothers and sisters, let's start with this. You are loved, and then let's move on from here. And then he says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So this theme of self-control is going to be a bit of a theme throughout the book of James. So James just said, here's who you are. You are loved. You, are, you have this identity within Christ. Now, let's, let, let's change the way that we live. He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to be angry. The pattern here is quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. And some of you need this pattern in your lives. I need this pattern in my life. I can't say that it's the, 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 the tendency, but when somebody's speaking to me, I have to say, if, if, especially if they are confronting me with something or if I'm opening God's word and it's confronting a part of my life, that my first tendency is to speak, right? Have you been talking with somebody before, challenging them on something? asking them about something that they don't really want to talk about. And you can almost see this, the words coming out of their lips. And they're trying not to speak over you, but you know they already know what they think about this situation. And they're, they're trying to hold it back so that you have a gap in what you're saying and they can interject with what they think. My dad used to tell me all the time, Brian, be quick to hear. And it came out like this, Brian, think before you speak. Think before you speak. And I still haven't figured this out yet, but he said, think before you speak. And I still need to learn this. And James is saying, listen, church, if you're going to be learners, if you're going to be people who continue to grow, if you're not going to be stagnant in your faith, you're going to be somebody who wants to listen, who comes to the word of God ready to listen. And then he talks about becoming angry, which is a tendency when, that we have when we hear something we don't like. The tendency is to, is to bow, bow up in anger. And James is saying, don't do this because you're not going to be truly listening. And one commentator, uh, I love it, he says this. He says, the great talker is rarely a great listener. And never is the ear more firmly closed than when anger takes over. 
Isn't that the truth? I mean, never am I listening any less than when I am angry about what's going on or angry with you. So James is saying, be careful with your anger because your anger can cause you to be somebody who is stunted in their growth, somebody who's not receiving the truth. And then he talks about the implanted word. Receive the implanted word of God. James is drawing us back again. Who are you? You who have trusted in Christ have now been implanted with the word of God. It's like on the inside you look like Jesus, and yet we know that on the outside there's still a lot of messes, and that in many ways we don't look like Christ. But James is telling you this because he wants you to become who you were meant to be. He wants you to become who you are at your core. And this is a paradigm shift for a lot of Christians. Because for a lot of Christians, you see your life as a series of moments where you're trying to get rid of sin and just become a better person. If I can just do this and stop doing that, if I can get rid of this unhealthy behavior and start doing these healthy behaviors, then I'll be better. And it, it feels like an uphill battle for most of us. I mean, it feels like a lot of failures, a lot of times where we know that we're not caring for our wives or husbands well, or we're not honoring our friends well, we're not honoring our friendships that well. And so James is saying, no, as you become more like Christ, what you need to understand is you're not becoming somebody that you're not. You're actually becoming who you are. This is a totally different way of seeing, seeing things, that you're not ridding yourself of something that you you're becoming more like what Christ has actually already done in you. And so it feels like an uphill battle. I know it feels like a lot of work. But we need to see this as a shift so that we know that as we reject sin and as we take on the holiness of Christ and try to love people and try to, you know, care for our families well, it, this is not us becoming something we're not. It's literally us, us connecting with this implanted word that's already inside of us. So James is like, hey, listen, the person that you want to be, the person, as you lay down in bed at night and you're like, man, I just wish I wasn't like this and I wish I was more like this. I wish I was more like Christ. That, that Christ has always written that, has already written that on your heart and we need to come in, in tune with that. And then James, sorry, I totally lost my space. This is what happened when you preach this three times is you're like, where in the world am I? Okay, so he's implanted word of God and then he says to receive it with meekness. This is really interesting. Um, meekness, which when I read that, I was like, is that weakness? Does that mean like I just need to kind of fall over when I hear it? Like what does it mean to receive the word with meekness? And uh, so I'm a, I'm a daddy and I, I talk a lot about my kids because my kids teach me a lot. And I realized recently that when I call to my daughter Cadence, her response is this. I say, Cadence, she says, what? That's her response. She's a kid, right? Cadence, what? And I was like, I don't like that. And I'm not sure why I don't like that. There's something about that response that I don't like. And so I sat down with her and I'm like, hey, let's change how these interactions work. How about when I call to you, I say, Cadence, you say, yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. And, and I realized that what I didn't like about what was it already sound like I'm inconveniencing her by calling her name, right? It's already like she doesn't want to do what I'm going to ask her to do. She's probably playing Wii. She's probably really busy, you know, because eight-year-olds are really busy. And so I'm inconveniencing her by calling to her. And so I wanted her to act like what I, whatever I was going to say, she's ready for it. 
So let's start with, yes, daddy. Let's start with, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going I'm to listen and I'm going to respond. And so James, when he says, come to the word with meekness, that's what he's encouraging us to do is as you come to church here, as we gather, that you're ready to respond, that you're here listening, that it's not a, when you hear the word of God, it's not like a, what? Really? Something else? Seriously? This is so inconvenient. You're getting in the way of all of this stuff I want to do. It's less of a what, but it's a yes, dad. Come to the word like, yes, daddy. And then James issues the big challenge in verse 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word, but not hearers only. So James is talking to a crowd of people. Clearly, there was an issue with this. Clearly, there were people who had deceived themselves. Those who had heard a lot of good things, maybe could spout off a lot of good scriptures, you know, had memorized, maybe were in Awanas growing up, and so they could toss out a lot of good verses. Maybe they've been to church their entire life, and so they can quote a lot of maybe good points. They know a lot of theology, and yet their lives were not transformed. They were not changed by the word. And then he, he says this in verse 23. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So who looked at a mirror this morning? Four of you? No, yeah, okay, yeah, be honest. All of you have looked at a mirror. We all do this. We all wake up and we, you know, stumble into the bathroom and click on the light and then we sort of like, assess the damage of the night before, right? And we're like, okay, that's out of whack, and this is messed up. You guys, we look at, we look at mirrors a lot. I look at, this hair does not happen naturally like, like this. This is a lot of work, and so it takes time, uh, you know? So we look in the mirror, we wake up and, and, and check things out, and, and inevitably we see flaws, don't we? We always see something ain't right. There's some makeup left from the night before for you ladies or, you know, you guys. It's like the hair's all out of whack. Whatever it may be, things are not how they're supposed to be. We all, and that is humanity. When, when we as humanity, we look in the mirror, we see that things are not how they're supposed to be. No matter how much you want to cover it up, no matter how much you want to act like it's not there, when we go to bed and we wake up the next morning, we see everything, right? So mirrors, the things about mirrors is they're really honest. They're, they're really honest. And so James is like, so there's this guy, and he wakes up, and he looks at a mirror, and then he just walks away. Can you believe that? He looks at a mirror, and he's like, that's jacked up. And then he's like, okay, I'm out of here. And he does nothing about it. And so this is the guy that he's talking about. He's like, this is what it would be like, is if you just looked at a mirror and changed nothing. And now I think there's a lot of responses that we have. And the first is that when we look in the mirror, we look into God's word and we're challenged by it. We see that something's not right in our lives. Some people just walk away and act like it never happened. Just go distract yourself. Go, uh, go, go defend the issue. You've already got a response to the issue. Like I said earlier, you've got to, already got a, a way to not have to be convicted by this. So you just recite that in your mind and act like it's not a problem and go distract yourself. Act like it's not an issue. The second way of dealing with the mirror when you see that something's wrong is some people just break the mirror, right? If you see something you don't like, just break the mirror, get rid of the reflection, no more problem. It's gone. It's great. And, and I, I, I would attest that this is, this is kind of like going to church and you're convicted 
and you, you kind of felt something inside, like, oh, I know that I've, I've got some work to do. And so you make, you make this, this commitment to never go back to church. And you delete the Bible app from your phone, right? And you, you, you pull away from any Christian relationships in your life. I see this people, people do this a lot, where they feel conviction. And, and in those moments where you know your life's kind of a mess, you need some help, those are the moments that most people pull away. Or maybe what you do is you hear something in the Word or you hear something at church that convicts you. And so it's kind of that like murder the messenger type of response. You know, you have this anger and frustration with the voice uh, wherever the truth came from. It's kind of that breaking the mirror. Like, I just don't want to hear it. In fact, let's just get this out of my life so I can ignore the problem. I mean, the third response is the response James is encouraging us to. It's the wipe it off, silly. You know, like, come on, you, you see something in your life, let's respond to it. It's not a, it's not a big process. We, we just, we can respond to the truth. We wipe it off. And I know this is harder than it sounds. And I know this is, a, this is a journey that we live on. But James is saying, listen, we have a response and a responsibility. Verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So he's talking about a different kind of person. The kind of person that follows Jesus and sees all of the freedom that we have in Christ. Doesn't see following Jesus as this burden, this weight to bear, but sees it as freedom. He calls it the law of liberty. So he's speaking to this Jewish people that would have understood a lot of laws and a lot of rules, and he's saying it's actually the law of liberty. When you follow Jesus, he changes your heart, and now the obedience that you have is not not this work that you do, but it's literally a response to who you are. It's the law of liberty. You have the freedom to go and be like Christ. It's not a weight to bear. It's not a burden. It's a joy to go be like Christ. So James is trying to flip upside down this way of looking at religion. Like when you go to church, that you don't leave here feeling like, man, I got 10 more things to do in my life. I got more stuff. I got enough going on, and Brian's just giving me more work to do, you know? Jeez. Instead, James is like, no, this is the law of liberty. When you follow Christ, he changes your soul, and now these things are literally their outpourings of what he's done inside of you. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So James says, do you think that you're religious? And, and James is kind of redeeming the word religion. Because as we read in the Gospels, oftentimes the word religion is referring to some kind of negative lawful behavior. He's talking about a good kind of religion, this true deep faith, a true religion, James calls it. He says, he says, if you think you have a true religion, a true faith in Jesus, he gives us then a test. And so what you're going to see in the book of James is, is, is it's kind of like, James is like a mirror. He's trying to show you who you are. So he's like, hey, let me give you a test for your religion that you think that you have. And he said, the first thing is this, do you bridle your tongue? And if you know anything about horses, you know there's, there's a bridle that they wear that's a way of controlling the horse. It's this large animal that's controlled by a bridle, a very small thing. And James is like, do you control your tongue? Because it's a powerful thing. 
And this will be a theme. We're going to talk more about our tongues because it's a powerful, powerful instrument. And, and we're going to talk more about that later. But James is like, do you control your tongue? You think that you have real religion? Do, do you control your tongue? And then he says, do you care for widows and orphans? And when I was reading this, I was like, widows and orphans. So when I hear orphans, I think of like little orphan Annie, right? Oliver Twist. Like I think of little children wandering around Chugiak with no food, knocking on doors, you know, please, sir. You know, I, this just not, this isn't happening in my neighborhood. I don't know if this is happening in your neighborhood, but I, I don't see this very often. And I, I know that there are orphans in the world, but I'm not literally around it very often. I've seen it in person, but it's not part of my daily life. And so when he says, do you care for orphans? I'm like, Meh, you know, if they were around, if a kid knocked on my door and asked for food, would I give him food? Sure. You know, I'm not some kind of psycho. Of course, I'd feed a child that needed food. Who wouldn't? But, you know, they're not part of my world. And then he talks about widows, you know, which would literally be, you know, a woman who has lost her husband or a husband who's lost his wife. And, and he's saying, do you care for this person? I'm thinking, I don't know too many of these people in my world. Maybe a couple you know, and, but, but they're not really part of my sphere of influence here, and so it's not really a big priority. And so I, I glassed over this, and I'm like, nailed it. I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm all right. Ah, but James, there's just so much more here. There's just so much more to this. See, when you think about orphans, you know, you think about children wandering the streets with no home, but there's also, within our culture, a surplus of children who have no healthy parents, they have no healthy influence. Nobody speaking Christ and speaking the gospel into their lives. Either they're lacking a mom or they're lacking a dad. Or just in general, these kids are left at home all day long and they're, they're caring for themselves. These children are everywhere. James is trying to get to a deeper point. He's like, do you see kids who need to be cared for? Are you caring for them? Are you helping them? And what you're going to see as a theme throughout Scripture is that there's this idea that when Christians care for any people group, the first group they care for are the widows and the orphans. I mean, the, the first ones you care for are children that aren't being loved and cared for. And then you care for, for women or men who have been marginalized and, and who are maybe pushed to the side or those who aren't uh, able to have a partner in life to help them care for their kids or take care of their homes. I mean, this is why we're doing Impact Eagle River next week, you guys. This is how we act this out and model this as a community. And then hopefully we go and we model it on a smaller scale in our daily lives. But we're going to be changing oil for single parents and adoptive parents and parents with special needs kids. We're going to just, it's a simple way of saying we love you. We want to help you. We want to give your car a good look over before the winter hits. Do we do this? And so we're going to model this as a church, but you guys, that's not enough. It's not enough to simply model these things as a corporate body, but we also as individuals need to be in our city caring for these people groups. If you're like, well, Brian, where do I find an orphan? You can go downstairs and serve and illuminate kids, and you can love children. Some of those children don't come from healthy homes. Some of those children are from single-parent homes, and they don't have a father or mother figure in their lives. Some kids are unchurched. And so... Go downstairs, go to Breakaway and help with our student ministry. It's a simple way of just finding kids that are in need and that will be loved on. And there's this understanding in Scripture, it's so clear, that if you don't have anybody that cares for you, and if you have some kind of need, you just go to the church and they're going to love you. You just go to the church, they're going to care for you. 
And the church, honestly, like, it's saying our job is to go to them as well. We don't just wait for them to walk in the doors. We go to them. So I think that's what James is pulling out. He's like, hey, you're not off the hook. There are people with needs. And so we as the church, that's what we do. We go and we meet needs. So the question is this. What do we do with the truth? What do we do with the truth? When we hear the word of God, when you come in here on Sunday and you hear, you hear me read the word, what do you do with it? I had a friend um, who had a lot of doubts about faith, um, really struggled with some, some tough stuff that he went through in his life, uh, really struggled with God, struggled with God being good after seeing some pretty horrible things. And he was coming to church, and he'd come now and then, and at one point he stopped showing up. And so I called him up, and I was like, hey, dude, it's been a couple months. I haven't seen you at church. Are you, are you doing okay? Is everything all right? Um, you know? And he goes, he goes, yeah, it just didn't make any difference in my life. And, and maybe you've said this before, or maybe you've heard this before, but I, I thought about it, and I'm like, I'm thinking about all of the church services that he went to. And I'm thinking about all the things that that church as a community was trying to do for its city. And, and I'm like, dude, you heard a lot of good stuff. Did you do any of it? Did you apply any of it. Again, not that he would in any way try to act like a Christian and that's going to save him or anything, but the Word of God makes no sense until you do it. It just doesn't. There's some truth within Scripture that you will flat out not get until you go and act it out. It's going to sound like craziness until you go and you walk in it and you live it and you experience it. So the first thing is this. Do you humbly hear the word? The first thing to do is to humbly hear it. We come to God humbly, ready to learn, ready to listen, putting all of our defenses on the back burner. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I want to hear this with fresh ears. Because the thing about the word of God is, is it's considered alive and active. It's alive, and so it speaks different things to us any time of our lives. You might, you might hear a scripture and it might say something to you today. Here in a month, it's going to say something completely different to you depending on what you're going through in your life. So we need to come to the word humbly. You know, sometimes we're, we're just plain held captive by our defenses. Um, many of you know I'm a, I'm a mechanic, and so I love working on cars and vehicles. That's, that was kind of my trade and what I had planned on doing. Now I'm a pastor. Uh, almost the same. And so uh, I, I loved working on cars. I did this for a few years. And I remember this lady called the shop. And she's like, hey, my car's not starting. Um, can you give me a hand and you know, point me in the right direction? And I might have to have you guys come out. I might do a service call or something. And, and I was like, well, I said, does it have gas in the car? <laughs> and you know when you can kind of hear somebody being frustrated on the other end of the phone? It was like, uh, does it have gas? She, she's like, it's got a gas gauge. It's got a quarter of a tank. And I'm like, okay, it's all right. She's frustrated with me. She's like, I, I think I'm just going to call it. So she calls somebody else, hangs up. I'm like, okay, see ya. Whatever. Clearly offended her. And a couple days later, I get this call. Hey, I'm the lady that called a couple days ago about the car that wouldn't start. I'm like, hey, lady that called a couple days ago. How are you? How's your car? She goes, I just, I felt like I had to call you back because I took it to a mechanic. I had it towed across town and he found the problem. And I'm like, what was it? She goes, it was out of gas. 
And I'm like, okay, good, you know. And see, the thing is, what I realized is that the hardest people to help are those who already have diagnosed the problem and have come up with a defense, have already got their ideas set in place. And if you guys are like me, you know this is the tendency, is we tend to dig our heels in with our opinions. Once we formulate an opinion, it, it kind of becomes concrete in our lives. James is encouraging us again to come to the word humbly, ready to learn, ready to be remolded. And the second thing is, repentantly receive it. Come to the word with repentance. What James is saying here when he says repentance is not simply to change your behavior. This isn't just, well, go and act differently. Brian said I need to love widows and orphans or, you know, like, go find a widow and go feed some kids or help the kids. That's what I'm supposed to do today. James is saying rethink that part of your life. If you don't have a desire to care for people in need, it's time to rethink your life. It's time to Come back to the gospel. Come back to the grace that you've received. Come back to your own life and go, I'm such a mess and Jesus saved me. I'm such a mess and I'm still here and I see the grace of God all over my life and stuff that should have killed me didn't. I've got breath in my lungs. I've got another day on this earth. Why wouldn't I go care for people that are in need? And I'm not just talking about the homeless on the streets. I'm talking about your friends I'm talking about your neighbors. I'm talking about the people around you. Why wouldn't you respond to those moments and even go seek them out as an expression of the grace that's covering your own life? This is what James is saying. That's what repentance is. It's not just changing the way that you act. It's changing the way that you think about certain parts of your life. So come to the Word ready to rethink parts of your life, whatever it may be. And the third thing is this. Be liberated by it. Be liberated by it. The thing about mirrors are they're very liberating. They always tell the truth. And maybe you've got a friend like this, that friend that is way too honest. Come on, everybody's got that friend. They're just way too honest. And it makes you really uncomfortable, but there's part of you that knows you really need that in your life, right? There's part of you that wants to just shut the friendship down because it's a lot of work to hang out with people that are really honest with you. But then you realize that something's missing when they're not in your life. You realize that you need that honesty and you need to hear the truth sometimes and that the truth is liberating. The truth will set you free. And so walk into church. Open the word, ready to be changed by the word. And it'll, it'll be hard. You know, one thing I heard said about the Word once is that it's, Scripture isn't something that you read. Scripture reads you. And I thought that was really true, that Scripture literally reads us. It, it pulls out parts of my life that I didn't even know were there. And it offers an opportunity to be changed by it. And so we're all confronted with this question. Will you be more than hearers of the Word? Will you be a doer of the Word? Will you respond to it. And here's the beautiful thing. If, if, there's, if the Word is the mirror, and the Word shows us who we are, what we need to understand is that Jesus, He's the sink. Jesus, it, he, he cleans us up. He makes us right before God. And so the, although we come, we come to church and we hear that, man, James, it's like you're saying that my life isn't what God wants it to be. It's, it's not what it should be. 
And as you lay down in bed at night, you reflect about your day. You're like, this isn't right. That's not right. We need to understand that that's good stuff to know. But there's hope in Christ. Christ washes us clean and makes us new. And so we're going to spend a few minutes here as we close talking about us as a church. How are we doing? Are we honoring the call of God on us as a community? Are we doing what he wants us to be doing? And every year we sort of take an audit of what we do as a church and we talk about where we've been and where we're going. Um, And so we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the nuts and bolts of church. So if you are a numbers statistic person, you're going to love this. If you are not, you might try to nod off, but I would encourage you not to because this is really important stuff. And so we're going to kind of talk about where we've been and where we're going. So ACF Church, you might be sort of new to this church. You need to know this about the story of this community. This place was planted back on January 5th of 1989. I was six when, when this group of people in Alaska, in Eagle River, who I didn't know, never, never thought I would be here, um, planted this little community called Alliance Christian Fellowship. And that gathering of people started this movement of ministry that uh, you are the legacy of. You're, you're part of what they've invested in the kingdom. And although you may not know any of those people, we need to feel today a little bit of a, a gratitude that somebody at some point said, you know what, we need to gather as a church with a vision to reach our city. And so here we are a long time later. Um, that church used to meet in what's now the Piccolino's building. If you guys don't know that, down at the other end of the road here. And uh, sold that building and then moved into this, this place. The Catholics moved out of this church and left this vacant building. And so we moved in here in 09. Uh, I just showed up. We came up from Colorado, my wife and I. And uh, I led worship and uh, did student ministry here. And we just, we start off with, with 40 people. I think we're here on a Sunday morning, uh, one service. We had curtains that went all the way to the back of the room here. And these chairs were sort of, no, they weren't filled at all. They were just a smattering of people in this room. And it was like, okay, let's do this thing. And uh, we're so excited about where God has taken us since then. It's been a long journey. Um, you guys might know that about a year ago, I guess it's October 12th, will be my one-year anniversary as lead pastor here at the church where I transitioned from doing music to coming up here and talking with you guys. And uh, so it's been a long year. Uh, for me, I just thank you for your grace in this process. Um, it has been some of the most challenging uh, seasons of ministry for me, as well as some of the most fruitful seasons of ministry. Um, dealt with a lot of anxiety and personal pressure, feeling like, man, this whole thing is so much bigger than me. And I've actually never felt so small as I did stepping into the role to come up here and, uh, and lead at ACF Church. And so thank you so much for being with me and with our staff and our leadership team in this. But uh, we're going to talk about where we've been uh, this past year. So let's get the first one up here. Every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters. So you need to know this as we go through the numbers. These aren't just numbers. These aren't just nuts and bolts. All of this represents people, and that's why all of this matters. And so as you see the numbers, don't get, don't get lost in the numbers. This represents the ministry that we've been able to do. So let's put up that first financial. No, oh, that's right. We're going to finances in a second. 75 baptisms this year. Give God a hand for that. Is that awesome or what?
That is so cool, you guys. I don't know if you see how awesome that is. So we track a couple of things at our church. We track baptisms. We also track when people say uh, they want to follow Jesus. We do salvations on the little cards that you see every week in the seat in front of you. We give you a chance to say, I want to follow Jesus. And so we track that as well. Um, but here's, guess what we've learned? We don't know when people get saved. We just don't. It's not our job to know. It's just our job to go and make disciples. And so that's what we try to do. But we also want to win up track some things and keep an eye on some stuff. And so baptisms we feel like is a great thing to track because it's kind of a next step. It's the first step of obedience for somebody who says, okay, I want to follow Jesus. Oh, you want me to get up front and say that? <laughs> that's scary, right? Kind of terrifying. And so when people get baptized, although sure you can get in the water because you just want to get in the water, but typically it's because I really want to do this thing. I really want to follow Jesus. And so that's awesome. 122 first-timers, 146 current partners. So if you're from a church background, what you know about is church membership. We don't do membership. We do partnership. Uh, we believe that you have uh, members at Costco because Costco is there to give you things. And uh, there are partners, like a partner of a business. And when you're a partner of a business, you're going to go down with the ship, right? You're there to contribute. You're there to help it succeed because when it succeeds, you succeed. And so at ACF Church, we have partners, and uh, those are, th this is actually a really low number compared to our t attendance. I don't know if that surprises you. 146 adults have said, um, I want to be a partner. But a lot of that is because there's so much transition in our community, and I think it takes some time for people to say, okay, I'm in. I'm with you. I'm going to contribute. I'm going to, I want to serve. I want to, I want to show up, and I'm going to, I'm going to commit to being part of this, not just, not just hearing about ACF, but being part of ACF. And so, um, that's partnership. Let's go on to the next one. This is Illuminate Kids stuff. This is awesome. So downstairs every single week, um, I want you to know this: that there's not babysitting going on downstairs. This is church. Kids are hearing the gospel. And so 113 new kids have showed up this year, 78 volunteers. It takes a lot of adults to wrangle kids downstairs. So if, you, if you're one of them, thank you. Uh, you're serving my children. I appreciate you. Um, I know it's hard sometimes. I know it's a thankless job sometimes. But if you're serving our kids, uh, you are awesome. And then 170 regular kids down there on a typical week. That's like an army. I mean, think about that down there. 170 kids down there to wrangle and to get, you know, to worship and to have teachers and keep them separated and potty breaks. I'm just thinking this is just insane what happens down there. But it's really organized and it goes really well. And so thanks to Krista, our Illuminate Kids Director. Can we give her a hand uh, for doing all that she does down there? Yes, so awesome what's going on down there. Let's go to the next thing. Breakaway. This is our junior high, senior high ministry. 25 students baptized from Breakaway. Praise God for that. Come on. It's good. There's about 50 kids that show up to our high school. That's a, that's a good size gathering of students, you guys. That's like a make a dent in the city for the gospel type of group. And 35 middle school students, way awesome. And 28 members went on a Mexico mission trip this year. They built a couple of homes for families in need. So awesome stuff going on. Can we give Josh a hand for leading all of that? So 
so good. Josh loves those, those students and does an amazing job with them as well. Um, I loved when I passed off Breakaway Student Ministry to Josh. Um, I, I kind of, like, it, I was holding on to it as it left my hands, like, because I love students. I love hanging out with teenagers, and Josh has just taken it uh, way farther than I ever could have, and so I love that. Let's go to the next one. This is uh, ACF Groups. This is a, 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 an awesome part of what we are. We believe we're a, we're a big church of many little churches. And that's what makes us continue to be a family is getting people into smaller communities. 40 groups launched this year. That is huge, you guys. That's 40 little mini ACFs all throughout our community. Little mini gatherings of people from everywhere from, you know, three to five people to 15 to 20 people at different homes gathering to uh, have fun together, to go running together, to hiking and and fun stuff like that. Also, um, you know, getting in the Word and studying the Word together. And so... That is awesome stuff. And that's, uh, that is Heather Chancellor's deal. She's been leading all that. So uh, thank Heather for that, would you? We have some awesome staff, you guys. I, I have a great team that I get to work with. Let's go to the next one. Outreach. This is fun stuff. Um, if you haven't figured it out yet, we love our city. This is what we do. Uh, we're here for the community, and we're here for the people. And so 623 people at different times have volunteered for some of our outreach stuff that we've done. 1,932 hours served. 10,000 eggs dropped from the sky out of a helicopter. Um, we're doing that again, which is going to be fun, um, with some slight twists that <laughs> try to save a couple eggs this time. They were all destroyed. Anyway, uh, learning experience. 2,400 meals to the needy. 32 oil changes last year uh, for parents of... Um, single parents and adoptive parents. And then nine schools, uh, local elementary schools, we have ladies that cook meals and feed the teachers once a month. Is that not awesome? And so we're so thankful for all of our teachers. Yeah, we can give the teachers a hand. That's awesome. We love that. And so um, we serve them every, every month. And there's just a little sign that just says, ACF Church loves teachers. Thanks. Thanks for what you do. Okay, so let's get some nuts and bolts, and I'm going to try to close this out here pretty soon. You still with me? Okay, this is good stuff. So nuts and bolts, finances, here's where we're at. Last year, we brought in $1,017,357.12. Yeah, that's awesome. So here's what you need to know about the numbers. The first thing that, when when I see that number, the first thing I think is, that's a lot of money. And then I think, that's a lot of ministry, you know? Like, that went a lot of different ways, and a lot happened in our city through that. And uh, before we get too far into it, here's, here's what you need to know. Just remember, again, this is all part of what we do, and it's part of reaching people. And so I know it sounds like a lot of money, um, but there's a lot to be done. And, uh, and you guys, look at the room here. This is a packed room, and we do this three times, and we go out into our city, and so it takes a lot. That's, uh, that's Easter eggs and uh, oil changes, and that is staffing. That's a lot of different stuff. You'll see that last year, we spent $890,069.46. So we spent way under not only our income, but also under our budget. We budgeted here. We spent here, which brings up the question, why? Why did we do that? If, if you weren't around last year, you um, might not have known that about this time last year, um, I came up and I said, hey, listen, financially, we're not doing so great. Um, we're kind of upside down on some bills. We're operating on a bit of a deficit, and that's not fun. 
If you've lived that in your home finances, that's not fun, right? You know, when you're like, oh, I want to pay this bill, but I don't, I can't, you know? Oh, I should pay this one first and then hold this one and then, you know, pay that guy. And that's not a good way to run my personal finances and that's not a good way to run the church. And so we want to be responsible with that. And so the surplus that you're seeing is, uh, is money that came to, to start a savings account. We didn't have any savings. We were operating on zero, zero. Um, and so now we're operating on the top side in the black of our checking account as well as having a savings account. Um, here's why this matters. If we uh, lost the boilers to this building, we're talking about like 50 grand. I mean, it's huge money. And they're like 30 years old. So this is all very real stuff. And we're going... Dear Lord, I pray the, the roof doesn't start leaking and the boilers don't go out because we got no backup plan. And so guess what? We have a backup plan now. Thank the Lord. And, uh, and so that's part of that. And then operating on the top side of our other account. So there's a lot of money that comes in and out. Um, but that's why you're seeing a difference there. Um, and so the goal is what you need to know is the philosophy of our money in ACF Church is that we want to spend it. And that may sound uh, a little irresponsible, but it's actually not. The goal is to do ministry in our city. The goal is not to be a bank. Many churches operate like a bank. They bring money in and they just save it, save it, save it, because it makes us feel good. We, we want to operate um, like, a, like a community that's sending out missionaries into our city. And so we want to continue to think that way, as well as being responsible with our savings and things like that. Let's go to the next one. Here's how it breaks out. 53% is staffing. You guys pay me to be here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I get a paycheck um, as well. It's not all me. You're like, man, Brian's getting paid good. Uh, it's, yeah, that goes a few different ways. So um, that's our staffing. And then we have operations, which is all of our, um, the, the building and the facility, all of the ministry costs that happen there. And then Alliance and Mission. So we're part of a denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance that is basically a Christian denomination dedicated to global mission. We have some 700 missionaries, 70 countries. It's just huge. Um, and so that chunk is everything that's gone out to the Alliance, that's gone out to local outreach events, that's gone out to missionaries that we support. And so that's what that chunk of money is. Let's go to the next one here. Here's our attendance and giving between 2013 and 2015. So we see kind of like an attendance. The attendance is the red. Giving is the green. And here's, here's why this matters. I thought this was really interesting. There's sort of like a, there's sort of a tick and then a tick. And, it, and it, the, the giving kind of follows. What you're going to see is, is the, the jump is almost delayed. And a lot of times what happens in our church, because so many people come and go, it just takes time for people to buy into a community to say, I don't know if I trust what's happening here. And so there's a little bit of a delay in people, and the attendance will go up, and then the giving, I think, comes along behind it. Another thing might be, you've just been burned by church finances before, or maybe you're just a skeptic about churches, and you're like, man, is this like one of those guys on TV that wants me to send him $5, you know, that's dipped in holy water or something? I, like, wh what's going on here? We are total disclosure here at this church. And so any questions that you have, if you're like nuts and bolts, I need to know the numbers before I trust 
um, so I can, I can give and contribute, um, just email the office and we will send you the breakdown of all of where this is going and you can have a blast with that. Um, and, and I want you to know too, we have a whole team of people that you vote in that are volunteers from the church that organize the finances with me. And so this isn't just something that I do alone. I'm not running all this in my office. Thank the Lord. This is not my gifting, uh, but it's something that I have to do with a team. And, uh, and it's what makes ministry run. And so I know it's really important. Let's go on here. We've done new signs. We painted the blue building. Yay! We installed new carpet. Isn't it beautiful? It feels good under your feet. We are thankful for that. Um, we uh, removed some overgrown trees. We've been doing kind of some work to the property. We believe, although this place is old, it's ours. Thank God that we have a place to meet. Uh, we could be mobile church, and you guys could all set up chairs every single Sunday, and we could, uh, you know, have mobile stage, and I've got some great friends that do that. Um, we're just not mobile church, and so I'm thankful for that because I think it helps us to put resources in other directions, but um, that means taking care of this place. And so um, let's go on to the next thing. 2016 goals. We want to increase the, the uh, attendance to groups to 35%. We, we, if we could have 35% of our community going to a smaller gathering, that would be a huge win. We, we believe that we'd love 100% of you to be in a smaller gathering, but we set a goal of 35%, 3,000 hours serving. That's, that's you guys saying, okay, Brian talked about Impact Eagle River for the past six weeks. Did, did you sign up yet? Okay, let's go do it. So that, that's, that's that. Okay, let's actually go do this. Global engagement in Mongolia. This is a uh, some of you might know J.B. and Iris Heacock. They were our missionaries um, in Russia. Now they're in Mongolia, and they're doing some great stuff. And so we're excited about that. And the last thing is just this idea of tearing down walls between Eagle River and the church. There's a lot of, there's a lot of walls between non-Christians and the church, people from the city and the church. They drive by this building on Sunday morning, see the cars in the parking lot. Will we break down walls between them and us? And that's, that's our goal. Let's move on kind of to financial goals. Here's our faith budget. Here's where we're going. So we have increased our budget for this next year 6% from what we brought in last year. Brian, why would you do that? Maybe your question. Every year we see new opportunities. Every year we want to be growing our ministries and reaching farther with our church. We've got some things that we want to do downstairs. As you walk into Illuminate Kids, they want to put up like a security wall there so there's a separation between check-in and where all the children are, and that's going to cost some money. There's some other things we want to do on the facility. We also, with this new Wednesday night service, have uh, hired a new pastor who's going to be moving up from Arizona. He's going to be loving that. Arizona here in a month. And so uh, he's a, he was a roofer in, in Arizona. He was uh, taking a break from ministry for a season. And uh, man, I'm thinking Tucson, roofing? Anyway, uh, his name's Stuart, and we are so excited for him and his family to come up here. Um, but that's a big investment. That's a whole family. We're literally moving to Alaska to serve at ACF Church. Really excited about that. But uh, that's what we need to do to manage what we have here as a community. And all of our ministries are just growing. And so that is the faith budget. So if you're like, um, man, that's a lot of money they brought in last year. I don't think they really need me. We need you. We need you. We do. So it really, uh, and, and you will be blessed as God works through all of this. We want to baptize 100 people. We baptize 75. Let's baptize 20 more, 25 more. I think that'd be awesome. That's as you guys bring your friends here. 
um, God working through that. And that's increasing the partners to 200. We could do that today. If, uh, you know, 56 of you just went out there and said, hey, I want to be a partner of ACF Church. You can go to the Engage table and you can fill out the card and you can read through what it means to be a partner and say, I'm in, I'm doing it. And so uh, I'd love to do that today if you guys would be willing to to partner with us in that. Um, I think we've got, let's skip the other stuff. I also want to tell you that uh, we're we're rolling over our board and so we have elders and governing board members. Our new uh, elder nominee is John Bolstridge. So we can give John Bolstridge a hand for doing that. So our elders are kind of the spiritual guidance of our church, and they, they work with me as we try to follow God as a community. And so um, basically there's a two-week open mic process where if you have any questions about uh, John or the, 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 the way that we do this, just email the office, and we'd love to answer any of your questions or concerns with all of that. Um, but you guys, it's, it's exciting stuff. I don't know if you're asleep now. But this is important stuff because this is what makes us do what we do. This is what continues to keep ACF Church functioning. What happens here every Sunday morning, some of you don't think about it at all, but there's a lot that goes into this and there's a lot that flows from this place. And so I hear the stories and I love what God's doing through this, through this church. Um, here's a little thing from me. If I didn't work at ACF Church, I would actually attend ACF Church and that's a really big deal. Um, most pastors don't get to say that. You guys need to know that. I love this community because I think that we're actually doing something here. And I got better things to do than just to waste my time doing church. And so I think that we're actually making a difference. And I just want to see that grow. And I want to see us get out of our own way. And I want to see us be people who don't just hear the word, but go and do it and go and love people. So let's pray together. Jesus, thanks for all that you've given us. Father, we aren't here today on our own doing. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We need you to empower us through the work of your spirit. God, we're surrounded by needs. God, Alaska is a dark place. There are people right next door who are struggling. And God, we know that we are your hands and feet. We are your agents of grace into our community. God, I pray what happens here as a church would never just be a gathering of religious people. God, but we would be a movement of mission into our city. That is our hearts cry, God. We want to see you do things that we could have never imagined. We want to see our our kids get saved and be reborn. God, we want to see our family members find peace and grace through Christ Jesus. We want to see our community transformed by the work of God. So God, would you use us to whatever capacity you would? And God, would you continue to humble us by your goodness? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.